Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you've downloaded the Savage Love Podcast. I believe this is number five, and we're kind of getting the swing of things here with the Internet Savvy Youth and I, the at-risk Internet Savvy Youth and I, pulling this thing together. Uh, here's how it works. You call, record a question, I listen, and I uh, answer some of them, and then you put it on your iPod and sit on the bus and listen to me talk smut on the way to work. So let's uh, get to the first uh, extremely smutty question in this week's podcast. Let's call me Curious in Kansas City. I have a uh, kind of an interesting question. I know your stance on bestiality, and I agree with your stance on bestiality. However, um, I have been shown websites by various friends for mostly shock value about um, dolphins and have been told that they are the only other species other than humans that engage in sex for pleasure as opposed to just procreation. So do you think that the fact that dolphins engage in sex for pleasure and also occasionally, according uh, to these websites, and I've read a Carl Hyacin book where it does that also. I don't, I've never had any contact with dolphins personally. That they occasionally not only engage in sex with humans, but initiate sex with humans. I guess it's just a moral thing, you know. Do you think that that would then be all right? I'm just interested. Thank you. That's a great question. I'm actually familiar with the website that you're talking about. I'll call it up right now and give the long earl out there so everyone can read about having sex with dolphins. It's www.sexwork.com backslash family backslash dolphins numeral one dot html. The last thing is D-O-L-F-P or the last thing is D-O-L-P-H-F-I-N-S one dot html. And then you can read, you too can read Sex with Dolphins, How to and a Personal Viewpoint by Dragon Wolf Dolphin, written uh, in September of 1996. Kicks around on the web. A lot of people see it. People uh, show it to their friends at parties, and everybody has a laugh about dolphins. And everyone seems to be a little misinformed, or you seem to be a little misinformed. Dolphins aren't the only animal that engages in sex for pleasure. Bonobo Monkeys do, other species do uh, engage in sex for sort of group bonding. Uh, bonobos use sex to solve conflicts. Uh, more humans should do that. Certainly a lot of uh, people in long-term relationships should be encouraged to solve conflicts with sex. Uh, but, you know, everyone knows my stance on bestiality. I've said it a bunch. Uh, I think it's icky. I think it's wrong. Uh, however, with the caveat that if I were a little baby lamb, I'd rather be uh, screwed than stewed. And we do a lot of non-consensual things to animals without uh, batting an eyelash, such as grinding them up into hamburger patties and eating them with bacon and uh, Swiss cheese, which I plan on doing in about a half an hour. So there's a lot uh, of hypocrisy out there when it comes to sex with animals. Uh, however, this is a taboo that I fully support. Uh, <laughs> uh, and not only do I fully support it, I actually think it doesn't need a, a lot of bucking up. Uh, I think a desire to have sex with animals is extremely rare uh, and that most people it wouldn't even ever occur to them, and, and they wouldn't even ever want to do it. And a lot of the bestiality that goes on really is, uh, uh, I don't want to say crimes of opportunity, but they're just moments of opportunity seized by people who would rather be having sex with uh, with a human being. I'm thinking, of course, of uh, farm boys on the farm who get bored with their fist, get bored with carving holes in watermelons, and uh, resort to uh, you know a handy animal. Um, and, and when you say that if something attempts to initiate sex with humans, as this uh, article on the web uh, indicates that dolphins will or have or do, 
that makes it okay. You know, everybody who has a dog has had a dog attempt to initiate sex uh, with a human. Uh, my son has a little chocolate toy poodle that I've witnessed attempting to initiate sex with uh, my son's leg, with my leg, with couches, with carpets. Um, just because something attempts to initiate sex doesn't mean that there's consent or that the person or animal or whatever it is that's attempting to initiate understands it. Um, you know, I've seen 13- and 14-year-olds attempt to initiate sex. Uh, you know, we like to think that people who are under the age of consent have no desires and have no will and don't want to have sex, but sometimes they do. I think that they're not ready for sex, and I think age of consent laws, when they're reasonable and rational, uh, are reasonable and rational and should be enforced. So just because a 14-year-old tries to pick you up doesn't make it okay. Just because a dolphin tries to fuck you while you're scuba diving doesn't make it okay for you to fuck the dolphin. Um, but... You know, you want to fuck the dolphin, and you can find a dolphin that wants to fuck you. Uh, there's not really a lot out there in the ocean to stop you, uh, except hopefully your own sense of self. Uh, in other bestiality news, uh, ironically enough, this just came down. A man uh, is on trial for having sex with a dead deer by the side of the road, and it seems that the uh, law doesn't include dead animals, just live animals. So he's actually, uh, I think it's ridiculous. Like if somebody is such a freak that they want to have sex with a dead deer by the side of the road, the thing to do to that person is to point and laugh, not prosecute. Because if you prosecute, we all have to read about people having sex with dead deers in the newspapers. And it might put ideas into uh, dead deer aficionados' heads that they may not have had otherwise. Uh, but apparently it's legal in the United States to fuck a dead deer by the side of the road, uh, so long as it's dead. Not only really dead, but really most sincerely dead. Um, I hope the same doesn't apply to dolphins. Anyway, everybody should go read the dolphin fucking thing on the web. It's uh, it's very entertaining. And it won't turn you into a dolphin fucker. I've read it a half a dozen times over the last ten years because people send it to me every once in a while I refer to it or go back and read it like I did just now. Um, and uh, reading about people fucking dolphins doesn't make me want to fuck dolphins. It makes me wonder just how fucked some people are, but doesn't make me want to fuck a dolphin. Maybe you had a different experience when you read this document. You should look inside and think about what that means. So, hi Dan. My friend, she um, she really likes you know guys who do anal with her, and then she, like she's really into giving head. She likes the guys to make like make him feel better. And so, she's wondering what would happen if she like lets a guy do anal with her, and then she sucks his dick sort of like right afterwards, you know, like cleaning up. Um, what kind of potential do you read out there? If you could like maybe write it in a column or. Call me back this number. That'd be great. Thanks. Bye. So your friend is wondering about uh, ass-to-mouth action, is she? Uh, odd that your friend didn't call me about it. So your friend, uh, she likes, assuming she's a she and she's not a he and isn't you, your friend uh, likes anal action and she likes uh, to suck dick and she's wondering what's going to happen if one of the guys who indulges her so selflessly in anal uh, butt-fucking uh, as if there's any other kind of butt-fucking, but anal butt-fucking, but you know what I mean. She's wondering what'll happen if one of these guys who uh, mans up, steps up to the plate, fucks her ass so selflessly, uh, what would happen if she turned around and sucked his dick uh, immediately after it came out of her ass or came in her ass? Uh, I, you know, I believe that she would die uh, if, that, if she did that. She would die of, of, of fatal cooties or bad breath, perhaps. Um, you know, there's a lot of ass-to-mouth action in porn. Five, eight years ago, ATM porn, as it was known, or ATM scenes started popping up in, in porn. 
it's part of that sort of, you know, idea in porn that women are just sort of insatiable and that there's no bottom to uh, the, the degrading things that women will do to get at cock, which is a, a theme in porn uh, produced by and for straight men, of course. Uh, and, and, you know, that has its place and that turns some women on and it certainly seems to turn a lot of guys on. Uh, that sort of like, you know, women being come hungry, cock hungry, crazy sluts uh, who will do anything. And, and you know, why do a lot of guys want to watch that in porn? Because they see that so rarely in real life. It's just the same reason we go to action movies. You know, our lives aren't that action packed. So we go to an action movie. You don't meet a lot of cum guzzling cock crazy whores uh, in reality, uh, however much you might like to. Uh, straight boys. So we watch them in movies and fantasize about them, just like we go to James Bond and fantasize about being chased by crazy people with guns. Anyway, this is a real tangent. Uh, what will happen? Um, it's her own ass. I'm assuming it's her own ass. So it's not as dangerous as it could be. Um, there's a lot of, you know, people engage in rimming. Um, people accidentally ingest fecal matter all the time, uh, their own and, and their partners, just because the butt is there. And if you're rolling around having particularly aggressive sex, you know, that you might uh, you might encounter just a little bit of fecal matter that got on someone's hand or on somebody's ball sack or in somebody's taint or, you know, lows and back. And then that's not even talking about diving in and rimming somebody and sticking your tongue up their ass. What do you risk for? It's somebody else's ass. You know, you can get hepatitis, you can get guardia, you can get intestinal parasites. Um, if they have them, it's not like saliva contacts butthole and magically uh, hepatitis and intestinal parasites uh, spring forth. Um, so this sort of thing is not something you would want to do, any sort of oral anal contact, ass to mouth, or any other kind, with someone on, say, a first date. It's on a first date activity. It's on an anonymous sexual activity that I would recommend to anybody. Um, you want to do it with somebody that whose health you're relatively certain about uh, and who you know isn't lying to you and will take safety precautions. Uh, when you interview the porn stars or talk to porn stars about their ass-to-mouth scenes um, where they get fucked in the ass and then they suck dick, and I've talked to male and female porn stars, gay and straight, about these scenes, and what they say is that, uh, and what they do, um, is they give themselves enemas over and over and over and over and over and over again until basically the water is running as clear as it came out of the tap. Um, is it perfect? Uh, no. Might there still be a health, uh, small health risk? Yes. But we take all sorts of small, reasonable, uh, and sometimes mitigated risks for pleasure. You know, we go skiing. Uh, and we, you know, try not to slam into trees, even though that's a known risk. You know, if it really, like, turns her crank, the idea of getting fucked in the ass and then sucking that dick that came right out of her ass, I think she should do it. I think she should be cognizant of the risks and she should be cognizant of her health and she should do it with somebody who respects her and do it at a time when, you know, she doesn't have the runs. And she should give herself 12, 13, 14, 15 enemas until she's running absolutely clear, like the porn stars say. And then, you know, get fucked in the ass, suck the dick, feel like, you know, a cock-hungry, cum-guzzling, crazy whore, if that's what turns her on, uh, and, and then move on. And, and, you know, was there some risk? Sure. Did she do what she could to mitigate that risk so she could derive this pleasure from that act? Yes, just like the skiers uh, steer away from the trees. And we don't tell them that they should never ski, even though every once in a while someone slams into a tree and dies. Um, and I think that sex is at least as valuable and pleasurable and important in uh, the average person's life as the slopes are in a skier's life. So, yeah, sure, she should go for it. Um, and aren't you such a nice friend to make this call on her behalf? Hi, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old gay male caller from Australia. Uh, when I was traveling a couple of years ago, I was a fairly inexperienced bottom. I only had done once during my um, 
first time. I met a man in London who you could describe as having a coat can attached to him, and, uh, you know, we got it on, and after a bit of effort, he managed to get it in me, and, yeah, it felt great, but I found that afterwards I had a lot of pain down there, and it's become what I know as a anal fissure. And I've had that for about two, two and a half years now. You know, doctors prescribe creams. It works as long as you use it. After you stop using it, boom, it has right open again. Surgery is an option, but it leaves a risk of incontinence, which is fun for concern, I'm sure you know. But my question is, um, I've seen my doctor, and I'm a little concerned about this problem as a gay man, because when you start to get on with someone or you want to take a boyfriend or a lover or whatever, there's always this feeling that you are in some way damaged, that you can't be as GG as you'd like. And I suppose that's uh, affecting me psychologically, making me kind of shy away from situations, shy back. Are we wondering what is the prognosis long term for a gay man with the male fissure? Like, does it heal long term? You know, having an open sore back there has a whole range of risks associated by by itself. And I've tried looking online for any kind of information or resources. or asking my doctor, and even though he tells me that um, anal fissures are very, very common among gay men, there seems to be almost no information out there as to you know long-term prognosis or how gay men deal with this. So I was wondering if you knew anything, or you know, one of your experts had um, had this field of study before, and uh, what advice you have. Thanks. There are two kinds of anal fissures, and it sounds like you have the real bummer kind. Uh, which is a tear that goes all the way through the sphincter instead of just being on the surface. And uh, it's very difficult to heal them. And your doctors are right. The surgery can, in some cases, lead to incontinence. There are two different kinds of surgeries now, so you might want to get more than one opinion. There's one there's where there's less danger of uh, fecal incontinence. I don't want to scare everybody um, with this. Uh, but, you know, an anal fissure is something that a lot of people who get fucked in the ass uh, have dealt with, and it passes um, you with that Coke can size dick and your inexperience, and I would put some of the responsibility <laughs> definitely on the guy who fucked your ass uh, for your current condition, uh, did yourself damage um, that may be permanent. So I would encourage you to not get fucked in the ass for a very good long time, um, perhaps to start thinking of yourself as a top, perhaps start dating guys who uh, don't want to have anal sex. There's a lot of gay guys, uh, a lot of people don't seem to be aware of this, who aren't into anal sex at all. Uh, just like there are some straight guys out there who aren't into vaginal intercourse. I get letters about them because their girlfriends and wives think they must be gay because they just want to eat their pussies, and I have to remind them that that's about as ungay a thing as a guy can possibly do or want to do. Uh, so you might want to rethink your sex life and give it a lot of time to heal and take what, some, the, the small steps that you can take toward healing. You know, the, the problem with a deep anal fissure is that every time your sphincters uh, relax and contract, uh, it prevents it from healing. It prevents, prevents it from scarring up, prevents it from uh, uh, sealing back up, uh, unlike a surface anal fissure, which can, can, can heal. Uh, and so the, the, the surgical remedies can be taking that chunk of your rectum out uh, a little like pie slice of it and sewing it all together. Uh, it's extremely painful. It takes time to heal. And doing that uh, will also, uh, you know, if you think of yourself as a bottom and enjoy being fucked in the ass, really hamper uh, your sexual expression in the future. Um, there's not a lot of good options here on the table, I, I realize. Uh, and I'm not a doctor, you should realize. And so you need to keep talking this, uh, about this with your doctors. And I would encourage you to seek second, third, and fourth opinions about what could or should be done. Um, with your ass, but in the interim, you know, you're 22, I would wait a while. I wouldn't let anybody fuck my ass for two or three years and see uh, see what naturally develops and what happens and what with some minimal medical intervention you can get to. 
Uh, I think the most important thing right now is, you know, your health and your safety uh, and your ability to take craps, not your ability to take cocks in your ass. Uh, and, uh, in, you know, let this, uh, for other listeners, be an object lesson. You know, you don't just stick the biggest thing you can find in your ass uh, as quickly as you can. Uh, you know, the anus is not the vagina. And I, you know, the, the anti-gay shriekers say, and I'm the first to agree with them, the anus wasn't designed for this. It's absolutely true. The bridge of your nose wasn't designed to hold up your glasses either, uh, but it does a pretty good job. Um, you have to, you know, you don't put on 40-pound steel glasses and throw them at your face in the morning. Um, in the same way, you don't want to throw something into your ass uh, rapidly or carelessly or or without taking the time. It's also a reason why you often don't want to be, like, strung out on crystal meth or other party drugs when you have anal sex because anything that prevents you from feeling what's really going on down there while you're getting fucked can lead you to uh, – can, can result in real damage being done to your ass. You have to be really aware. Um, and you need a lot of foreplay uh, before you have anal sex. You just can't slam a dick up an ass. Um, you need a lot of lube. You need a lot of fingers. You need tongues. You need uh, time. Uh, and then when, when the person's going in, you have to go in very slowly. Uh, and the goal is not, as it seems to have been with this guy who fucked you, to get the big dick into the tight ass – the goal is to, uh, for both people to enjoy this experience. Uh, the goal isn't the ass serving the dick. It's uh, the ass serving the dick and the dick serving the ass uh, at the same time. And it needs to be mutual. It needs to be slow. Uh, you know, you can get to a point where you can be, you know, someone can pound away at your ass like a porn star, but that's after the muscles have totally relaxed, which takes time. They often don't show that in the porn, so people think they should just be able to get fucked like a porn star out of the gate, and that's not the case. So, again, I'm really sorry about your butt, uh, and I hope uh, with time and proper medical attention it can heal up, and perhaps a little ways down the road in a few years you'll be able to uh, do with your butt what it sounds like you want to do with your butt now but uh, would be ill-advised to do with your butt now. So leave it alone. Uh, let it be an exit, not an entry for a while, like the gay haters say. Hi, Dan. My name is Jessica. I've been reading your column since I was 15, and I didn't even have sex until I was 27. So there you go. I have like 12 years of fully literate education behind me before I even ventured into the realm. And now I have a question for you. So I think I'm kind of hot. Like I'm kind of attractive, like I'm tall and skinny, etc. Kind of funny. Gosh, should like me. And yet there's this nerd at my new grad school who does not like me. And my friend Doug told me that guys fall in love with people right away. Just as soon as they need them, they're like, that's it this is my new wife, or this is, like, not my new wife, and I don't even like her, etc. Is this true? Like, am I wasting my time by trying to wear down this guy who kind of was like, oh, let's just be friends, no, no, no? Or is, is it possible that because I'm so freaking hot, he might actually like me? Like, you know, just from a guy's point of view. What do you think? So if you have time to answer this question, I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Wearing someone down only works in movies. Stalking only works in the movies. People only fall in love with their stalkers, people who are harassing them in the movies. Uh, it's great that you're hot. It's great that you're reading my column for so long. It's actually kind of uh, thrilling that someone is reading my column for so long. Put off sex for so long. Not that I think people should, uh, just that it will allow me to refute accusations from people that... You know, 15-year-olds read my column, run out and fuck dolphins and try everything else that they've heard about in my column. And, you know, if I, after all these years, haven't fucked a dolphin, I don't think anybody's going to fuck a dolphin because they, they read about it in my column. Pardon me. Um, 
So when you say uh, there's a nerd and you're hot and he's a nerd and, you know, he doesn't like you, it's great that you're hot. It's great that you have such high self-esteem. You need to know, though, that not everybody finds uh, even conventionally attractive people attractive. Um, you know, there are some guys out there who you're skinny. There's some guys out there who are into big girls, who are into to hugely obese girls or just plump girls. Um, so maybe you don't do it for him. Or maybe he, you know, is a f- nerd fag and just isn't out. Or sometimes you just have to look at people who aren't into you and go, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll never know unless I badger the person into telling me. But you don't need to do that. Like, I don't necessarily agree with your guy friends who say that guys are like, they love people right away. I do agree, though, that uh, men are, you know, visual. Women are, too, but men more so, it seems. And if they're attracted to you, they're attracted to you, uh, kind of out of the gate. That It doesn't have to dawn on them slowly over a period of years. Uh, when Harry met Sally, that's not the way men uh, typically uh, act, uh, to, to date myself by citing that ancient movie. Um so if he's not into you and he's made it clear, stop wasting your time. Start, stop stalking him. Uh, there's other men out there who will be attracted to conventionally attractive, skinny, tall, pretty uh, uh, ladies like you, and you should throw yourselves, uh, throw yourself at them. I know for some women who are super attractive and some guys who are super attractive, they often can't stand the idea that someone out there uh, just isn't into them. Uh, my boyfriend's really attractive. We were in a bar once, and some guy came up and started talking to us. And my boyfriend's used to sort of fending off people who are into him. And about 20 minutes into it, my boyfriend realized that the guy was actually trying to pick me up, uh, which kind of blew my boyfriend's mind. And then he kind of got bent out of shape about it, even though he was sort of annoyed and disgusted the whole time the guy was talking to us and wanted him to go away because uh, he thought he was just after him, as would usually be the case. And when my boyfriend realized he was after me, (laughs) he was sort of pissed and jealous and angry that the guy wasn't doing what he uh, thought he should do, which is just a sort of long digression uh, where all I want to say is, uh, you know, take it like a man or a woman or whatever you are. Uh, someone's not into you. It happens even to the hottest people out there. Uh, and uh, surely there are other nerds at your school um, who would welcome your attention uh, if this guy uh, won't and, and doesn't. So grow up, leave him alone, move on. Well, that wraps it up for podcast number five. This is uh, Dan Savage, and you've been listening to the Savage Love podcast. I do one a week. Uh, come back to the website and download it next week. If you have a question, if you want to be part of the podcast, phone it in, 206-201-2720. Be sure to leave your phone number uh, in case I want to call you back. Uh, we won't put your phone number on the air, of course. Uh, so 206-201-2720, Savage Love podcast. Can't do it without your questions. Keep them coming. and. Uh, We'll talk to you next week.